630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Thursday night football, 7-7. Start of the second quarter between the Giants and the Eagles. World Series resumes tomorrow. It's tied 1-1. The NHL saying no winter classic on New Year's Day. No all-star game at the end of January in Sunrise, Florida. And they do say, though, they're still shooting for January 1st as the target date for the start of the season, which I think might be tough, but they are hanging with that for the time being. 780-496-0063, if you would like to call or text tonight. Some other notes to get to here. Two Canadian NHL teams avoiding arbitration with a key restricted free agent, Jake Vertanen, signing with Vancouver. $5.1 $5.1 million, two-year deal. Ottawa Senators locking up Connor Brown, three-year deal, $10.8 million. Dennis Gurianoff, who is very good for the Dallas Stars in the postseason, he gets a new contract, $5.1 million, two years. And I mentioned earlier the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, Drummondville, suspending team in-person activities after a player tested positive for COVID-19. Now the league has... Uh, suspended all its Quebec-based teams from regular season play until at least next Friday. So that's something to follow there. I'm sure the WHL is keeping an eye on that, though it's still about two and a half months before the Western Hockey League is planning to start up. I am pleased to welcome back to the show. You get him every morning on 6.30 Chet Mornings with Chelsea and Shea. He's the Shea part. It's Shea Ganim. Hey, Shea, thanks for not watching the debate to come on the show with me. That means a lot to me. That was a that was a tough call. I imagine I'll have to tune in for a little bit tonight, so I have some idea what's going on. But I really don't want to. You know what I mean? <laughs> Based on what happened last time, uh, I don't know. There's a storage wars marathon or something on I could watch. I don't know, but uh, I don't know. It's 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 like WrestleMania. Reed, it's crazy. Well, there you can you can watch the football game between two teams uh, looking for their second wins of the season uh, near the end of uh, October. So there there is that, and I'm sure. Well, it'll be by nine o'clock. Do you remember SCTV? Every show was Thursday at nine that they did the yeah. commercials for. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. And SCTV was so good. Yeah, classic show. Now, did you? Um, so you worked. You worked over at Global. Did you ever have to moderate a debate or do anything? Uh, I mean, I know you talked politics, interviewed politicians, but I'm just why I, I honestly don't know. Did you ever do anything sort of in a debate environment where you had to oh, be yeah. one of the moderators? Yeah, I did one for the last um, civic election. In fact, um, AMPAC, the Alberta Muslim Public Affairs Council, had all the candidates in a riding come and. They had a debate, and I moderated that. And I've I've done other ones, not not televised ones, but in person ones. Um, nothing like what we're seeing tonight, or we saw last time. Though I mean, it was you know very civilized, and it's 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 a pretty easy gig for the most part. You just you have your five or six questions, you ask them, you time them, and then you cut them off and move on to the next one. <laughs> just cut off and move on to the next one. Sorry, your time is up. <laughs> <laughs> there's the Shea Ganim manual for hosting a debate, everybody. What happens for the rest of the hour now? The course I signed up for. <laughs> that's, that's I don't know. It's, uh, it, I, I can't imagine, like, if you want to be moderating a debate, I mean, the pressure that these people are on in these U.S. presidential debates, because first of all, you know it's going gonna, it's gonna to turn into a dumpster fire. We know that. Um, we know that the media is under attack 
by Donald Trump and his supporters. So you can't win. You're, you're biased before this thing even starts. He's been tweeting about it all day. So you're starting from a losing position. It's not a job I would want. It's just there's no winning. There's no way to come out of this looking good. Yeah, I think that's a great way to summarize it. <laughs> so I, I, I got the football. Last time that there was a debate on, I flipped to it while I was hosting, yeah. and I sort of was watching the, the the captioning as it came up, which I said earlier in the show was amusing in itself, just to see how everything was being typed out, and that you know they have to type in the interruption, so you're not sure who's uh, who's talking. But I think tonight I'm going to host the show. And then uh, if it's a good football game, I'll watch. Star Trek Discovery has a new episode tonight. I may just, I may just go watch that after. And I, and I hear the new Borat movie has, has leaked out early on Amazon Prime if you have that. I can't wait to watch that. So uh, that, that might be worth turning into tonight too. Oh, right, because it's not in theaters at all. Well, maybe it might nope. be a limited release. but Yeah, but it's going on to Amazon Prime. It was supposed to be tomorrow, but apparently it's already on there. So. Oh, sneaky. Okay, yeah. I'll check. So, hey, I want to talk to you because we, we've, we've talked, obviously, a few times since you, since you came over to CHED, but we talked, uh, one of the times we talked was like right when the pandemic started because you were coaching uh, minor hockey and everything got thrown in, into yeah. disarray. But the, 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 the story this week um, is uh, they're, they're hoping to do actual league play in January, but there might be there might be competitive games before that. What's the, the timeline Hockey Edmonton's looking at here? What I've got from Hockey Edmonton and from Sierra, the association that I'm with, is we've been since, I don't know, beginning of October, we've been doing cohort play. So basically just take 50 kids from Sierra that are at the same level, break them up into a few teams and have basically scrimmages. We've been doing that since beginning of October. Uh, that's coming to an end uh, this weekend, should be the end of that, maybe early next week. And then starting uh, November 1st, that weekend, uh, we're going to go to, they're calling it team isolation. So they're actually going to put us back into teams like we would have every other year. And we'll spend two weeks just practicing like a mini training camp kind of a thing and isolating. Uh, and then at that point, starting November 7th is the date that I've been given, we're going to start what they call league tiering. So uh, basically all these teams will say, okay, you should be roughly tier three, you should be tier two, you should be tier four, whatever. And they'll put you in there, and, and then if one team's really good or one team's really bad, they'll move them around. So that's supposed to last up until Christmas break. And then, like you said, league gameplay is scheduled to start January 2nd, back to regular five-on-five hockey, if everything goes well. Oh, right. Of course, everything is con- contingent. And minor hockey week, p- probably not fair to say, or is it possible? Yeah, right now it is not being scheduled. They say that could change as as things go along, but right now there is no minor hockey week scheduled this year, which is which is too bad. That's a that's a huge event, obviously, as you know. So uh, the kids look forward to that every year. But at this point, no minor hockey week is being scheduled. So, but I mean, at least we'll get to play five on five. If, if things work, I'm, I'm not 100% certain this is going to come off, to be honest with you. But the way the numbers are going and stuff, I hope it does. Fingers crossed. But I wouldn't be surprised if we end up sticking with what we're doing now at best. Okay. Yeah, well, it's definitely something to watch because, I mean, minor hockey affects so many people and, and parents yeah. listening, and uh, I, I don't know if I got a lot of minor hockey players tuning in, but uh, if they are, we appreciate it. Has it been, like, have you felt, have you felt uncomfortable? Have you put, put out coaching? Have you felt like that you can't coach the way you would like, or, or how would you sum that experience up? It's, you know what, it, it's, it's entirely different. It, it literally is scrimmage. Like, I've refed 
two of the games that we played. We don't have refs. We don't keep score. We're not keeping time. Basically what it is is um, in the age group that I'm coaching, U18, there's three teams that are roughly the same skill level. So uh, there's I have 10 kids on my team. The other one team has 11. One has 10. Um, and we just play four-on-four games. And literally, like, there's no face-offs. It's kind of like if the goalie freezes the puck, the other team has to give them the ring out line. If the team scores, you give them the center line, just like we used to do at the outdoor rink, basically all it is. So there's not a lot of coaching. I mean, we're running practices, but even then it's just sort of, you know, you're just doing some skill stuff and some skating and, and you know, just getting them out on the ice. There's no... There's no system work or anything like that, obviously. It's just basically go out and work on your skills and have some fun. And I, I, I have to give the association I'm with, Sierra, a ton of credit because I know it was a huge job to get it off. And I'm sure it's the same with every other association in town. A lot of the kids, when this started, were like, oh, come on, that's a joke. We don't want to do that. We want to play regular hockey. My own kid, uh, when we were coming back from the rink on, what was it, Tuesday night, I think, said, you know what, I wasn't looking forward to hockey this year, and I didn't even really want to go tonight. We had a game. He said, but, you know, it's a lot of fun. He's playing with all the same guys he's played with for years and years and years. And they're going out and playing hockey. So it's not ideal. It's not perfect, but it can't be with the situation that we're in. So I think it's just the fact that they get to go out and they get to put on their skates with their buddies, hang out in the room, go out and have some fun. And for some of them, you know, there's no pressure. So they're, you know, kids who play defense over the say, hey, can I try forward? Yeah, go for it. Why not? Got nothing to lose. So it's it's a new experience for them, and I think they're really enjoying it. So, I mean, I, I I'm really impressed with the way that it's come off. There's been issues and stuff like that. I think you know there was an email that came up from Hockey Edmonton saying that some teams were being a little lax with the rules, and some parents were overfilling capacity and stuff like that. So there's been an adjustment, but all in all, I think it's gone it's gone pretty well. You know, considering what it could have been. Shay Gannam joining us from 6.30 Chet Mornings. Uh, all right, so we, we've gone through free agency in the draft here in the National Hockey League. Barry and Turris uh, for the Oilers, Ennis and Smith are coming back. Pooley-Arvey's coming back, which uh, which was something Chris Russell, a bit of a surprising extension yesterday, but I think they're, they're planning for a couple scenarios. Either yeah. he's claimed by Seattle or he's going to be paid like a depth defenseman uh, a year from now. What, I mean, what's what's the headline grabber for you? I know you follow the team pretty closely. I do, yeah. Uh, the, the headline for me is um, the problems that we talked about going into the draft and the free agency are not the problems, but the holes, the areas that they had to shore up. Uh, obviously, Tyson Berry's going to help with that, no doubt. But other than that, I still don't like the goaltending situation. I think that's something that they're going to have to address sooner or later. And um, I, who's playing with McDavid, Reed? Who's going to be McDavid's line mate? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I'd like to see the big line together that wasn't together in the playoffs of of um, Yamamoto, Nuge, and, and Dreisaitl. The, the yeah. Cassian contract, you know, i got to credit Rob Brown because he said it the day of. He said the Cassian contract is a great contract if he plays with McDavid. If if not, you know, he's at least a little bit overpaid. So I, I hope he's up there and thrives. But I, I, I think I, I get the sense they want Nuge up there. They want Nuge with McDavid, and then there's a left side spot open with Dreisaitl, and maybe that's Ennis for yeah, now. Maybe, yeah. I mean, it's just... I don't know who's out there, and I know they have cap crunch issues and all that sort of stuff, but you just take a look at, um, you know, you got Dreisaitl and McDavid, the two best centers in the game right now, I think, and you're sort of shuffling a, your other star center in on the wing. 
Yamamoto Mor- Yam looks like he can play up there. But then other than that, I mean, no, no disrespect to Zach Cassidy. He's got great wheels and he works. He, he's, he's a great guy. He's a heart and soul guy. But I don't think if you had your choice, he's the guy that's flanking Connor McDavid. You know what I mean? He's not the guy that you're looking for to play with the best player in the world. So I don't know. I'd still like to see them find a, a, a legitimate scorer that they compare with McDavid. And then you can leave Yamamoto and News with the dry side line with you on that one. They, that line should have been together in the playoffs either. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I, th- I think that wasn't the time to experiment. I mean, I understand no. what they want to do long term, but they didn't have time to fool around with it in the postseason. Hey, uh, I know you got to be up in like six hours or something. So th- <laughs> thanks a lot for checking in <laughs> Not tonight. Quite. We'll see you, Shay. Time, Reed. Always good to talk. Right on. That is Shay Gadam, 6.30 Shed Mornings with Chelsea and Shay. Yeah, he loves his hockey and uh, involved in minor hockey, so good for him. They're going through some changes, but he outlined it. They're hoping to be back in early January, actually getting into leagues, and uh, in November going to start doing games to tier teams to get them with the right uh, level of competition. So hopefully that all goes well. 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text if you've uh, resisted the urge to put the uh, American presidential debate on and you're sticking with old Wilkie, then uh, I, I truly thank you. We're back after the break. Eight minutes left in the first half. Eagles leading the Giants 10-7. Thursday night football, the Giants are 1-5. The Eagles are one four and one the sunday nighter will now be the cardinals and the seahawks they've moved the raiders and the buccaneers to the afternoon just in case they have to postpone it because of some COVID concerns with the raiders seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three dave leopard texting in he says shay ganim is awesome i listen to him every morning happy to hear him on your show he's a smart hockey dude i enjoy his show too and i have to admit oh dave I don't, i'm not going to read that part of the email or that part of the text. We'll, we'll keep that between us. Almost caught me there. Uh, Vic says, I have to admit, the more I hear Shay on the radio, the more I love this guy. Could be man-crushing on him a little too much. <laughs> that is from Vic. Well, Shay's a great broadcaster. Great guy. The Big L, who is uh, one of the most entertaining and I think intelligent texters. Of course, he uh, during the summer months, he listens to the show from his hammock on his porch where he's got his little transistor radio and he does some 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 whittling. Does a lot of whittling out there on the uh, Big L Estates. He says, Reed, I figured out a way to fit the debate into your show. Analytics, time on the mic, attempted shots, delay of game, unsportsmanlike conduct, moderator interference, the Hillary's emails zone breakout, candidate capable of forming sentences consisting of words composed of more than two syllables. And the Big L goes on to say, could be the foundations for Late Night with Reed Wilkins. Well, there we go, Big L. I appreciate the uh, the suggestion <laughs> and, uh, and the uh, idea for a, for a show. That is good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not watching the debate. I, I got three people have texted in the last three minutes. So there's at least three of you listening and not watching the, the debate. So I appreciate that. 780-496-0063. Kellen Kennedy is back at the 630 Chet Broadcasting Compound. Kellen, how are you today? Doing great. And this is a debate-free zone right now, too. I actually have uh, 
Uh, well, I have the picture frame channel up right now, uh, going through some awesome travel pictures. I guess. I'm Seriously, just, you don't have the you didn't at least put the football game on. I was You're watching making, the. I like, was there. making my way towards the football game. I was just checking out what's on other channels. That's all. And then we had to come the, back. So, are you one of those people at, at Christmas time? You just put the holiday log channel on and just leave the TV on all day. Uh, I used to uh, until a few years ago. Uh, who was it? it? Was I think it was like old. Spice had Terry Crews do that Yule Log thing that was like so outlandish and so you know over the top and so I, I usually find a copy of that and throw that on every year so the, if, if, if it comes to it this Christmas folks check uh, Google Terry Crews uh, Old Spice Yule Log Yo, it's an hour of hilarity it's amazing all right, we we have. I, I heard Eileen play this on the news this afternoon. I, so it's uh it's one of these things we call a voicer in the radio business. Ah, from Christmas so it's about the scariest. So just I, I I might cut this off partway through. So just leave my leave my channel open. Okay. Uh, but this is a, a study at the science of, of finding out the scariest movie ever. Scary movies, they freak you out, raise your heart rate, but what's scientifically the scariest? The new study conducted by Broadband Choices strapped 50 people to heart monitors and had them watch 50 films considered to be the creepiest. Classics okay, cut Hall- that. Just cut it there, Kellen. We don't, I don't really care what the results are. Okay. But that, the, the interesting thing about that is, in, in trying to find out the scariest movie of all time, scientifically, sounds like the premise for a horror movie. You get a focus group of people, you strap them to a chair and monitor their heart and make them watch scary movies. That sounds like the premise for a horror movie. They somehow get trapped in the facility or they can't get out of their chairs or they're they're shown some sort of uh, other sorts of uh, weird images or their heart starts going crazy. The, the way, I find that a little ironic, the way they measured, like to me, that's scary enough being strapped into a chair with my heart being monitored and being forced to watch a scary movie. What if the plot's no good? Anyway, that's my next screenplay. <laughs> okay. We got to take a time out for the news. So so what's I want to find out what's going on with this big facility that's uh, that's opening up in Edmonton. Dave Jones is going to check in. It's uh it's massive. It is it is absolutely massive and it's it's for volleyball and pickleball. So very specific. I want to find out a little bit more about uh, about pickleball too, because I don't, I, I don't, uh, I don't really know much about it. So we'll get filled in. Flashback Fridays. My God, Spock, that's tomorrow. The Fizzler texting in. He says, don't worry, Reed. I'm not listening to the debates either. I pride myself in a lack of understanding about politics, current events, and let's be honest, sports. That is from the Fizzler, who does excel in sarcasm and humility. I can guarantee that. Fizzler, haven't heard from you in a while. You are a uh, you, you pick your spots, and I always enjoy hearing from you. And I do appreciate that you're tuning in. And hopefully, the show gives you uh, the odd smile or uh, or something good. 
along the way as we uh, work through the pandemic and we don't really know for sure when the NHL is going to be back. We don't know when the CFL is going to be back, but there are things going on in the world of sports. You know, we do have the NFL. We're talking about the World Series. There are things going on locally, not as much as we would like, but there is a pretty cool development here that I want to get to. It is simply called the Center. 9455 45th Avenue and uh, one of the people behind this facility is on the line now it is Dave Jones checking in on Inside Sports Dave you're on with Reed how are you doing I'm good Reed I'm good nice to nice to be asked to come on so thanks well I, I appreciate you coming on because this is this is kind of a cool story and I got to be honest with you Dave it's one of those where I, I've read a little bit about it but I but I I, I want to know more and I and I think it's kind of unique I'm, I'm gonna start with with the just with pickleball because I was talking about it on the show earlier and look I looked it up and read it about it on Wikipedia but so yep. what well can you describe pickleball to me in your own words I can and and I of course uh, you know was an avid volleyball player and now sitting at the uh, the age of 57 my, I can't play volleyball anymore so guess what pickleball is a great transition and pickleball happens to be a game that started, I, really, I think it was in Seattle, and it was mainly for kids. But what ended up happening is that, that pickleball is a game that kind of combines ping pong and badminton. And it's on a badminton court with a tennis net and really a kind of a hard paddle with a wiffle ball. Um, and anybody can play it. And really, right now, as far as we're concerned, we know, as we talk to many of these avid players, pickleball is one of the fastest-growing sports in North America. And uh, we're just excited to to put it into our into our center that we will offer to uh, seniors. And uh, we're finding that right now, as I think you alluded to, was that uh, guess what? There's things happening in Edmonton, and people want to find some things to do. So, what a great opportunity to come to the center and play pickleball. Okay, so I guess my question would be: so this is a big facility, forty thousand square feet. It's you know the it's a it's a court. Yep. How come volleyball and pickleball? Like, what have there been the opportunities to use it for badminton, basketball, other stuff? Like, or yeah, maybe yeah, it can be. I don't know. Well, good question. Uh, my family are, are, are volleyball players. Uh, my wife and I played for the Bears and Pandas. My two kids also played for Laurie and Terry at the university. And so we're a volleyball family. We've coached and, and we played. Uh, my son-in-law played volleyball too. So to be honest with you, Reed, we knew that Edmonton needed another facility for volleyball, for adult co-ed and for kids volleyball. We just do. Uh, the, the, the centers in the city are, are full. Uh, clubs are asking for, for extra time uh, to play. And so we needed a facility. And we've been thinking about this, the Jones family, for quite some time. Time. But as you know, it, it's pretty tough just to maybe run a volleyball uh, facility at, in, in the nighttime uh, as well as the daytime. And so we thought to ourselves, well, hmm. So about three years ago, I started to play this pickleball game and I thought, you know what? Be there's actually a need for this pickleball game during the wintertime. I mean, Edmonton's, Edmonton's a winter city, right? I mean, you know it is. So what we're able to provide here is the 17 pickleball courts during the daytime. And around that 5 o'clock, we switch over to about, well, we can go up to 11 volleyball courts, but we're going to switch over to, we'll say, maybe eight volleyball courts for kids and for adults and then offer pickleball in the evening too. So it really works well together. Okay, well, that sounds great. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, uh, how, how, did, how was this funded? Uh, this is all private. This is all the Jones family. Okay. Oh, amazing. Okay. Well, good. Good for you guys. Uh, now, is it? It's not quite open, right? Is it November first still the target date? 
You betcha. November 1st is the target date, and uh, we are really working hard with uh, AHS in terms of COVID protocols. You know, we certainly uh, are going to follow all the COVID protocols out there, but we're finding, Reed, that, you know, there's a people want to do something right i mean pickleball you, you hear it you hear it being played outside and and people want to do things uh uh you know during the evening time as well as the day and we're finding that there's a lot of senior citizens in fact i had an 85 year old guy show up and say hey i play pickleball i want to play how do i sign up and the guy is just he's just excited to come and play every day and be part of the culture and uh you know the jones family is working hard to to make this happen we're going to have a social uh kind of area where people can come and, and maybe, you know, have a have a coffee and some water and, and uh, be able to go play. We're even going to have a little fitness area that we hope to open up at some time. Um, and it's going to be a real nice culture for everyone. Well, that's good. And you kind of answered my next question. I was going to ask if you had any, you know, concerns opening during during COVID, but it seems you got you got everything going on and you, and you have people ready to rock and roll for sure. Uh, D- Dave Jones checking in tonight, owner of uh, the Center for Volleyball and Pickleball. Again, the address 9455 45th Avenue. Uh, Dave, were you were, were you not at Ainley? Were you the were you the, the principal at Ainley? <laughs> Yeah, you betcha. I I, uh, I played volleyball, I coached, and of course I was the principal at Ainley for eight years. So I think we've uh, we certainly talked before, and and and, uh, and I was very proud to be there. Uh, and I just retired, Reed, just retired two months ago. Oh well, congratulations. So are you responsible for Jordan Baker then? <laughs> Jordan Baker knows the Jones family quite well. He's a, a very similar age to my daughter, and uh, he's a great fella, great fella. And un- unfortunately, he was coached by George Hoyt. So that's the only that's the only issue. <laughs> that's that's the only issue. Well, like as, as I've referenced several times, I, I didn't I didn't grow up in Edmonton, um, so I, I'm not a super expert on uh, on high school coaches and rivalries and all that kind of stuff. But I know some of the names. I know Ainley is generally good at everything, and uh, I I mean I, I don't want to bring the conversation down, but man, uh, we lost Brian Anderson a couple of months ago, and I, I assume along the yeah. way, I mean what yeah. what a what an impact on this city in so many ways. Well, and, and, and I appreciate that. Brian coached me, you know, uh, back as I actually went to Harry Ainley as well as a student. And, uh, and in fact, I, I messaged Brian probably about a month into this venture of ours to say, hey, Brian, I'd love to show you something that we're thinking of doing. And unfortunately, two weeks later, he passed. And so uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a sad heart as well. But, you know, Brian inspired a lot of us to keep legacy going in terms of coaching and, and providing opportunities for kids in the sports of basketball, football, uh, volleyball and, and and everything so so he, he's a he, he was a great fella great fella yeah absolutely he's he, he's gonna be missed and uh you know when i ever got to interview him he was always so informed and so passionate uh which was cool okay so again um forty thousand square feet sorry did you say november 1st yeah we're, we're we're shooting for november 1st with the, the you know we've got lots of phone calls with people wanting to learn how to play and we're offering you know, these brand new learn how to play. Uh, uh, so, Reed, I want you to sign up. I want you to be part of this because we've got every type of age wanting to come and learn how to play this really simple game. But as one of my uh, one of my, one of our uh, patrons had said, it's addictive. You know, as soon as you start to play, like Jason Moss, he, he learned how to play it a few weeks ago, and, and I guess he you know, wants to keep playing. So, oh, nice. So, you know, we we got to get the orders out and have them learn how to play this too. Okay. Do you have, do you have a website or anywhere people can go for more info? All you have to do is just go to EVP Center, uh, look it up. The Edmonton Pickleball Volleyball and Pickleball Center. It's called EVP Center, and uh, we have it online uh, there. We also have a, have an app as well that you can download. 
to take a look at all the offerings that we happen to be doing too. So, uh, so uh, come one, come all. Well, Dave, this this is a really cool venture. Uh, good for you, and I'm glad you have it ready to go, and, and people are excited about it, and, and you're being safe and, and all that kind of stuff. So th- thanks for filling us in tonight. Thanks for filling us in on Pickleball as well and going down memory lane a bit, a little bit. We really appreciate it. We'll have to have you on again. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Reed. Take care. That is Dave Jones. Uh, yeah, just on the website right now, EVP Center, center, E-R at the end, dot com, the Edmonton Volleyball Pickleball center something pretty unique the dave jones and his family they got it going they got it going and they're ready to open november 1st that is pretty cool i got a text here 780-496-0063 this person says uh, pickleball costs three dollars a person in evansburg for a couple or three hours at the new indoor arena to that listener thank you for telling me that and i'm wondering if uh I don't know for sure if that's a new listener or not, but they put Evansburg, Alberta, which uh, for me, not necessary because that's where I grew up. I absolutely know uh, know where Evansburg is. Haven't been there for a while, but that's cool. Pickleball out in my old hometown. That is that is awesome. We're back after the break. Inside Sports on Chet. Uh, cool story here. It's courtesy Chris Brentlinger Grant, who's the lead producer of 630 Chet Afternoons with Jalen Nye. The question is, is it possible to invent a better lacrosse stick? Well, a team of former Lethbridge College engineering design and drafting tech students have done that, and they've been recognized by the Association of Science and Engineering Technology Professionals of Alberta for their ingenious effort. Chris caught up with one of the team members for a walk through the design process and for a look at how the invention came to be. Lacrosse is the oldest organized sport in North America, with records of matches played among indigenous groups dating back to as early as the beginning of the 17th century. And the equipment used to play has been fairly consistent as well. In 1757, James Smith documented what he saw, writing, they used a wooden ball about three inches in diameter, and the instrument they moved it with with a strong staff about five feet long with a hoop net on the end of it, large enough to contain the ball. Since the 17th century, of course, technology and engineering innovations has changed the entire world around us. But in 2020, is it possible to reimagine and invent a better lacrosse stick? Well, a team of former Lethbridge College students have done just that, and they're being recognized for their efforts by the Association of Science and Engineering Technology Professionals of Alberta. One of the finalists for the prestigious Capstone Project of the Year Award. So I've been playing lacrosse for quite a few years now, and I'm also coaching lacrosse currently. So just being able to take the design experience that we gained at the college and integrate it with the technology that we had available to us, uh, we were able to produce a lacrosse staff that was less breakable. That's Nathan McMurray, one of the minds behind the revamped design and a former student within the Faculty of Engineering Design and Drafting Technology at Lethbridge College. Now, lacrosse sticks are typically made of steel, aluminum, and other materials like wood or titanium. This strength and durability matters, of course, because with any bend or give to a player's stick, it means that it would be impossible to control the stick as it's intended, just like in hockey or in tennis. 
Just like those other sports, we see the effects of broken equipment on a regular basis. Is breaking a stick during the course of a lacrosse game something that happens regularly or at least as often as is seen in those other sports? Yeah, so in lacrosse, uh, you're either taking hits or making hits or coming in stick-to-stick contact with other opponents. Uh, breaking a lacrosse stick can be quite costly. Just with us being college students and playing lacrosse, we were uh, coming up with, we were trying to think of an idea, how can we make a lacrosse stick less breakable while also being affordable for college students like us. So the team sought to engineer a redesign, but how do you make a better product? For being North America's oldest sport, I, I thought that the equipment design may have already been perfected. So Nathan, tell me a bit about the design process and how your team decided to undertake this from the beginning. So we wanted to use an aluminum lacrosse stick. So how we did that was we started with an aluminum lacrosse shop, tested the existing lacrosse sticks. And what we wanted to do was shave down the sidewalls of the lacrosse shaft and add intermediate supports throughout the interior. We started by breaking aluminum lacrosse shafts in a three-point flexural test. From that data that we received, we were able to input it into a design software. And that design software is able to produce different models for us that we were then able to test within that specific software. And when we were all finished, we were able to 3D print a prototype. And it was at that point that we said, hey, you know, we have a working model now. What can we do from here? Well, that's certainly innovative. Are there any plans for you guys to bring this to market? Because if it truly is the best, I have to think that there will certainly be demand for it from the lacrosse playing public. Currently, we don't have any plans to bring it further, so we're not quite sure of what uh, production costs would be like. Um, however, this technology could be transferred into different sports, uh, badminton, hockey, uh, tennis, different stick type sports. Uh, so we were hoping that uh, not only could this be used for lacrosse, which was our specific design goal, but we were hoping that it could be also be transferred to different sports. So no plans to sell the technology or change the way that lacrosse sticks are produced en masse yet. But for their efforts, the team is being recognized right here in Alberta. As mentioned, the engineering design and drafting technology students have been nominated for this year's Capstone Award, chosen and presented by the Association of Science and Engineering Technology Professionals of Alberta, or ASSET. Barry Cavanaugh is CEO. This Capstone project are required of all the students. And what happens is that, well, we decided that we needed to start recognizing the caliber of some of the things that were coming out of these projects because they were astounding for things from students. So what we did was created an award and uh, a structure whereby each college or polytechnic can forward us two of their capstone projects, the ones that their instructors and heads of program have decided are the best that are there in their schools. So two nominees in Alberta per institution means a total of eight finalists for the honor. Barry, I, I know sometimes that evaluating the finalists and projects like these can sometimes be like having to choose your favorite child, but what about the reconfigured design of a lacrosse stick by the students at Lethbridge College really stood out to you? It took a really practical look at a real world problem. Um, may not seem like much to you and I, but to lacrosse players, it means a lot if their sticks are constantly breaking. Uh, so they took a look at a real-world problem. They basically opened it up, analyzed it, um, applied their knowledge to it, and came up with an improved design that's not only stronger, but lighter. 
Um, it's a it's a perfect illustration in some ways of what the engineering technologist does. I call it practical engineering. And Barry, for anyone listening to this right now and thinking they'd like to become involved in engineering technology, the people who are self-starters, maybe math inclined or just downright creative, what does pursuing an education in engineering technology look like here in Alberta? And what sort of a person do you think may be cut out for it? Typically, it's a two-year program at one of the polytechnics or colleges. It's a really compressed program, very intense. I think that it's fair to say it compresses three years of study into two. And frankly, um, I suppose an interest in science, an interest in, an interest in things practical, um, I've often said that one of the one of the characteristics that our members all seem to have is a certain curiosity about what may, how things work and uh, how they can improve on them. Um, I've seen that attitude time and again with the capstone projects too. So if you're curious about how things work, you want to learn how they work, and you want to learn how to innovate and improve on them. I think that's a good field for you. The four polytechnics that offer the program and have submitted the award-nominated proposals are Nate, Sate, Lethbridge College, and Red Deer College. And if you feel as though a future in this field may be for you, of course, you can check out the websites of those institutions or check out ASSET at aset.ab.com. Thanks a lot, Chris. That is some great work. Chris Brentlager-Grant, lead producer of 630 Chet Afternoons with Jalen Nye, a feature on the invention of a better lacrosse stick by a team of former Lethbridge College engineering design and drafting technology students. Awesome work there from Chris. That was pretty interesting. That was really cool. All right, it is uh, 10-7 for Philly, leading the New York Giants at halftime in Thursday night football. The World Series resumes tomorrow. The NHL announcing today there will not be a Winter Classic on New Year's Day. That was set for uh, Target Field with the uh, Minnesota Wild as the host team and no All-Star game for Sunrise Florida hosted by the Florida Panthers at the end of January. The NHL saying it is still targeting. It is still targeting January 1st for the start of the new season. We shall see about that the uh, NFL moving games around again because of COVID. The uh, Sunday nighter was supposed to be the Bucks and the Raiders. That's moved to Sunday afternoon just in case they have to postpone that game. So the Sunday nighter will be the undefeated Seahawks going up against the Arizona Cardinals, who uh, took it to the Cowboys in their last outing. All right, thanks to Blake Dermott, Pat Donovan, Shea Ganim, Dave Jones. Those were our guests this evening. You miss anything? Go to the Inside Sports page on 630chet.com or find the podcast, sign up for it, get a canned ham delivered to your house. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy is your studio operator. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.